0: Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargit. College basketball is reaching its annual boiling point, and March Madness is almost here. Uh, Conference tournaments are taking place next week, and then Selection Sunday will follow, uh, and then you better get your brackets ready uh, and win your office pool. So earlier in the season we covered two top ten teams. Uh, But I thought I'd do you guys a little bit of a favor and dig into the mid-major conference and find a big game between a couple of bubble teams. So this week we're talking about what's guaranteed to be a future A-10 rivalry between VCU and Davidson University. VCU defeated Davidson earlier this season at home. Uh, but Davidson has been on an absolute tear recently and stormed past the Rams in the standings, and then they completely blew them out of this game, winning it 82-55. Next week, the teams can potentially meet again in the A-10 Conference Tournament at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. If they do, VCU will be looking to avenge this lopsided loss and carry some momentum into the NCAA Tournament. Davidson is looking to cement their place there for sure. To talk about the big game, I called Mike Gasser, a VCU alum and season ticket holder. Uh, He breaks down Shaka Smart's trademark Havoc defense, uh, and we make our projections for the NCAA tournament. Yes, that is a police siren you hear in the first couple of minutes of the podcast. But despite that, I hope you'll enjoy the episode anyway and find it as insightful for your brackets as I did. Feel free to send me 10% of your office pool winnings. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming on The Big Game. Uh, thanks for having me. So we just watched uh, a pretty embarrassing game, actually. And, and now that I think about it, not quite uh, the big game of the week that I hoped for. But on paper, this like really should have been like a great matchup. Um, so this was Virginia Commonwealth playing Davidson um, in a matchup of two of the best teams in the A-10 Conference. Next week is going to be the tournament, um, the conference tournament. Uh, and the winner of that will automatically go on to the NCAA tournament. Um, but both of these teams have had such a great season so far that it's likely that they'll both make it in on their own. Um, but, but, but then we got into the game, and just Davidson came out on fire, scoring threes, uh, getting like quick cuts to the basket, almost undefended at times, um, and just kind of like opened up I think like an 18 point lead pretty quickly um, and then just held on for, for almost the entire game. So, you know, it, you're a VCU alum, a uh, big fan of the team. What went wrong here? What, what happened to this game?
1: Uh, well, uh, there are a lot of things. Um, the most glaring thing for VCU in this game and pretty much throughout this season has been scoring Uh, offensively, we're never, you know, a particularly dynamic offensive team. Um, we rely on, uh, generally shooting more shots, literally just shooting more shots than the other team, Mm -hmm. um, and sort of like a quantity over a quality approach. Um, when it comes to our style of play, uh, we turn teams over a lot, um, we chase down loose balls, we uh, rebound, we basically fight for every point that we get. And tonight, specifically, I think Davidson essentially flipped the script on us. Um, we, tur- we, I think we had more turnovers than they did. Um, they rebounded, they took probably more shots than us. And a team that shoots as well as Davidson shot tonight and as well as they've been shooting all season. I mean, it's really uh, essentially just a disaster. You really couldn't uh, uh, have a more uh, pathetic sort of performance when it comes to playing a team like Davidson. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, it sounds silly to say when you think of it in terms of sports, you know, score more points than the other team but vcu is simply just not scoring at all let alone more points than the teams that they've been playing so
0: yeah they looked like they were having a real tough time of it out there i mean even like when they would have a really good play you know in the paint and they'd get the ball to um mo alley cox you know i think he bricked like four layups in the first you know 10 or 15 minutes and they just they couldn't get the easy bucket and then when they Got into the paint. and They got the foul. They couldn't hit any of their free throws, and it was just it was it was disappointing to see them just not be able to hit their shots. Um, because, like like you said, like it's fun to watch a team that fights like that, like that is bigger and more physical and more aggressive. And I'm really I'm really interested in the havoc defense. Can you maybe like describe for us like what the VCU havoc defense is?
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's it it relies on a, a handful of things uh, most notably the thing that people talk about the most is sort of like pressing like a high press mm-hmm. um you know a lot of teams uh implement a press maybe late in a game when they're really desperate for a turnover or something like that but vcu uses the press um pretty much for all 40 minutes of the game when we can't when when the option's available um now uh in that sort of setup, we have a, a series. I've only been able to sort of know maybe three different ways that we sort of press and try to turn the team over. Mm. Um, the most obvious ones are sort of like pressing high, like in the back court, trying to um, get them to turn the ball over in our side of the court, and then uh, sometimes we'll wait until they cross the byline, until they cross the half court line, and then we'll mm. trap um the offensive player and try to turn them over there Mm -hmm. um uh depending on the type of team that we're playing you know it can uh for example davidson tonight is a very is a guard heavy team they're a team that has a lot of good guards and they were obviously you know they had a, a very uh Capable strategy for breaking our press. Yeah, they seemed really
0: prepared for it. There was a lot of the backdoor cut. And I, I mean, it seemed like in the first half alone, a Davidson guy would just be wide open under the basket. And I imagine that's probably a result of one of the VCU guys maybe like doubling up or putting pressure and then like losing his man on the backside.
1: Right. Yeah. When we, we you know, um, I think our pace causes a lot of our defensive uh, on the defensive side of things Our causes our. Our guys to maybe chase down um, you know players when we're getting when they're screening us we try to like climb over screens and I think it gets us caught maybe out of position a little bit so yeah I mean once we get in once you get into like a half-court offensive set where our defense is basically man-to-man yeah um, with the exception of the occasional time where you might see like say you know if a player if an offensive player dribbles into a corner then we might throw two guys at him to try to trap them in that scenario and and force a bad play or force a turnover. So yeah, I mean havoc is 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 a very high-paced, fast way of things and fast way of doing things. And um, um, like I said before about our offense or scoring more on turnovers and stuff like that. Uh, the other on the other end of court, havoc is just you know we. We don't slow down on offense either. We we shoot early in the shot clock, you know. We look for transition buckets and
0: yeah. It felt in this game that like if VCU had been able to maybe put a couple of the baskets in on transition um, and kept the momentum going. They, they might have had a chance because they, they did look good when they forced the turnover. It's just the shots didn't fall, um, and there was just a lot, of, a, a lot of missed opportunities there. But I think the thing we haven't touched on yet that might be kind of the linchpin to, to this whole game is um, Briante Weber went out with an injury at the end of January, and he was VCU's like best defensive player, right? The guy like almost leading uh, the entire history of the NCAA in steals, Um, And now he's now he's gone. So so what is that what has that done to the team in the last
1: month? Well, yeah, I mean, Briante, um, aside from being an an outstanding athlete, both defensively, and he was uh, pretty comparable at running the point and finding open players, getting the assist and stuff like that. He was never a high scorer or anything like that. But aside from, you know, just being a good basketball player he was sort of like the emotional spiritual you know leader of the team and he embodied, you know everybody the cliche is that he embodied havoc but i mean you've never seen i've never seen a person more energetic you know to the point of you know almost wondering you know what sort of attention deficit disorder (laughs) you know he suffers from because he's absolutely like you know bouncing off the wall when he's on the court, yeah. always, you know, in control, clearly with his the, the stats that he was able to accumulate over his career. But, yeah, he is just, you know, a fast-paced, high-octane player. And I think sort of his exuberance just in general rubs off on the other players. And in that sense, yeah, it's it's been a very, very tough loss um, not having him on the court. And you really can't argue with numbers. Uh, were, were with you know prior to his injury, we had we were on a 12-game winning streak, and since he's been out, we've gone uh, four and five. So, damn, it's it. You know, you hate to say that you know your your entire team is relying upon you know a single player, but in a lot of ways, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, especially especially in the college
0: game, you know, entire entire systems and schools are built around, you know, recruiting one great player and then figuring out how to win around them. I'm thinking, like, particularly of Greg Oden when he was at Ohio State. Like, you know, it's, it's the reality of the, uh, you know, the one-and-done system and the college system. And there are just so many of them. There's so many teams that are, you know, great players kind of get mixed in between unless you're kentucky and you get a bunch
1: yeah in a lot of ways we were were a young team so um briante was not only was he a leader in in many aspects of the game um on top of that he was a senior you know he knew the system better than anybody and he obviously played it as good as anybody can so um it's not you know it's the the statistical loss is obviously there but then you know sort of like the more esoteric sort of side of things is like you know the emotional loss you know how's that impacted the team you never really know with you know young guys like that how it's uh, truly affected some of our players in terms of how they feel on and off the court about you know the down, the sort of downward spiral this team's been on since he's been gone. So. Yeah,
0: and it's and it's going to be hard too to stop that. I mean, even just mentally, you know, just they're gonna. It, it seems to me like they're gonna need a strong run in the conference tournament, and if they can get that, maybe the ship will be righted.
1: Yeah, I mean the you know the season's not over. We have one more regular season game left, and then yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how the A-10 tournament plays out now. Um, Basically VCU and kind of a, sort of a, almost an ironic play out of the season. VCU was preseason ranked first in the A-10 and uh, now thanks to our, our uh, five losses since the end of January, we're now looking at losing our fourth, losing a top four seed into the A-10 tournament. which means we don't have that first game by. And now Davidson, who was preseason ranked last in the A-10, is looking at clinching the regular season title and first place seed into the tournament. So um, not that it's an impossibility, but uh, it's very difficult for a team in the A-10 tournament to win um, without that first round by. And so it'll, you know, I, you know, even even without an A-10 title, um, VCU will be in the NCAA tournament, but it, it's still looking pretty bleak in terms of us, you know, having that sort of tenacity to win despite our deficiencies and stuff like that. So,
0: Yeah, and, and you mentioned that Davidson started the season, you know, predicted to finish last in the A-10, and... That was probably because they'd spent the last seventy-four years in the Southern Conference, um, where they were, you know, quite successful. Um, so I, I know you've been following VCU since they joined, uh, well, since you've been there, but uh, specifically in the A-10 since they joined a few years ago. Um, what's it been like from, you know, a fan of the conference to see Davidson come in in their first year and succeed almost so easily? Um, what's been your impression of that team and and I don't know, do you think they are the favorite to to win the conference tournament?
1: Well, uh, yeah, first off, I think uh, I should say that it's, for me personally, it's been absolutely delightful, even after tonight, (laughs) to see Davidson um, perform as well as they have. I think uh, conference realignment in general uh, took a hit on the A-10. Yeah. Yeah. the first season that we were in at the conference was a very strong conference um, in respect to basketball. And um, since then, with the loss of teams like Butler and, Saint, or excuse me, and uh, uh, Temple and teams like that, it, the conference wasn't looking as, as green of a pasture as it had when we, when we, VCU, left the CAA. And to have a team like Davidson come in uh, and right out of the gate, you know, be a competitive team and potentially be a tournament team and stuff like that is, is in my opinion, a positive all around for every team involved in the A-10.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun for me to watch this game and also just to kind of get into the story of the A-10 conference at this point because, you know, now that the, so many of the conferences have been realigned in such a way to, like, you know, you look at the ACC – and the ACC is traditionally, like, a powerhouse anyway. But now it's just, like, you know, four divisions of a powerhouse. It's just got, you know, I, I did the Duke-Louisville game earlier in the season, and it still blows my mind that those two teams are in the same conference right now. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to me to go and look at some of the mid-major conferences uh, that, you know, maybe some of these bigger teams like Louisville um, or Temple have left and, and say, you know, hey, what's here and because these are the teams that are going to be in the tournament, these are going to be a lot of the upset teams um, when you know when we're looking at our brackets in two or three weeks. Um, so it's kind of fun to watch this and see two teams that you know might be uh, a spoiler in the first
1: round. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been interesting. Uh, VCU's uh, rise to prominence in college basketball came from an ev- in my well in everybody's opinion even lower conference, the CAA. And up until then, I hadn't even really considered what, what that sort of meant. You know, when you're, when you're constantly the underdog like VCU was for, for years, moving changing conferences uh, didn't really have that sort of profound of a meaning. Mm-hmm. And then once we made that transition to the A-10, and obviously after the Final Four run, uh, the attention on VCU as sort of, not just a a potential Cinderella but as a national college basketball presence you know not sort of like an afterthought it's weird to sort of contemplate those things when you know when i first started rooting for vcu it was going to the tournament just being there mm-hmm. was you know a joy was you know like was winning Right. Exactly. And now, and now, since then, you know, now that we're in a more competitive conference, you know, expectations for the team have, across the board, for fans and, and coaches and everybody, have risen to the point that I think, even even with what we've accomplished this season, looking back on it, it may still be, you know. A bit of a lit down <laughs> just weird to say you know 21 wins is not and then in in division one ncaa college basketball isn't something to like yeah it's pretty good you know be disappointed with and especially considering where we've come from but yeah and so like for a team like davidson to accomplish what they have this year it's it's exciting to me I, they're the type of team i love to watch and they're certainly the type of team that if they do make the tournament they're going to be a nightmare, you know, for even any of the, you know, the power colleges out there. That yeah, look I, like I think.
0: I mean, after watching this game, it seems kind of like no question that they're going to make it. Uh, the the guys on ESPNU were talking a lot about how, you know, Davidson has just just gotten into the the last four in of the tournament. Their little methodology for determining the, you know, last four teams they're going to qualify for uh, the non-guaranteed spots. And just kind of watching this game and watching them play a team as physical and as big as VCU and succeeding at it, you know, I think that bodes really well for them if they get in, when they get in, and if they go up against, um, you know, a four or five seed uh, or maybe a three seed, you know, they from, from a big power conference, they're going to have a really good shot at an upset.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, it... It's undeniable. They're the type of team that, you know, on paper doesn't really look, you know, like the type of team to upset a school like that. I mean, I don't even know, you know, they're. I wouldn't even say that this is a great comparison, but considering how poorly going into uh, the tournament VCU did the year that they went on the Final Four run, but... The reason that we were able to sort of have that miracle run was because of three-point shooting. Yeah. And uh, they're very—I mean, uh, Davidson's, I think, in the top 25 in terms of—in the nation in terms of three-point shooting right now. um, They average around, like, 40 percent. So, you know, there's only so much you can do to guard a team that has three or four guys who are capable of knocking down threes. Mm-hmm. I don't care, you know, if you're uh, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, whoever. It's, that's the type of underdog in the tournament that I think generally is a, is a very good upset candidate and certainly not a team I would like to play again. <laughs> and, uh, sir, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to pay it. Uh, not the type of team I would want to play as the favorite to win. I I think they're just, you know, they're the type of team that every year surprises somebody. So,
0: yeah. So, so let's get to that. Uh, First, let's start with the A-10 conference tournament next week. Um, Kind of of the big teams right now, Dayton, Davidson, VCU, um, who do you see maybe standing the best chance to win it all?
1: Uh, That's a really tough question, but, um, out of the A10 right now, I think there are two teams um, that have a lot of momentum going into the tournament, and that's obviously Davidson's one of them. And then Dayton has kind of turned on the Jets at the end of the season. Outside of those two teams, VCU obviously is still a candidate, but like I said before, we're coming from now, likely coming from a, a fifth place seed going into the tournament. With us being knocked out of the top four, you have University of Richmond squeaking in mm-hmm. into that fourth place. Um, and that's another team that I think is on, oh, at least a seven-game winning streak right now. So it's really, you know, I think for a bubble team like Davidson, the the parity in the A-10 has been, you know, a gift. Mm-hmm. Um but for a team like VCU, it's been a nightmare. But yeah, so I think it's really it's it's way too hard to call. It's hard to say.
0: Well, so so give me your give me your hard projections then, where it's it's March Madness. VCU on one side of the bracket. Davidson's on the other side of the bracket. You know, maybe we're talking six and ten seed, seven and eleven seed, something like that. Uh, VCU, where do they get? Do they get to the round of thirty-two? Do they get to the Sweet Sixteen?
1: I think VCU gets to the round of the 32. I think in a weird way, I'm I'm slightly more comfortable with VCU playing um, from a, a higher seed than they were being initially projected mm-hmm. in this season. Um, obviously, like a seven or an eight seed is kind of like a scary position to be in because it's really there's no guarantee for... Uh, a win in that position, but I feel like a lot of times VCU plays better when they're not, you know, the the highly favored team. So I think VCU makes it to the round of 32, but outside of that, it's been since our Final Four run. It's been kind of a, a really frustrating series of tournament appearances. So yeah, that's hard to say. If 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 I were to pick a team right now. Uh, out of those two teams, Davidson and VCU, I would say Davidson has the stronger likelihood of maybe squeaking into the sweet 16, uh, and, and beyond. Yeah. Uh, It
0: it seems like it'll all depend on, on the matchups as it always does. But, but I think after watching this game, they both seemed, if they draw the right opponent, I can see them both going on. Definitely one round, um, and then maybe Davidson Moore getting to the Sweet 16. But uh, what do you think uh the rest of the nation? You know who, who are you watching and who do you think is going to take home the championship?
1: Well, I, I didn't think I would ever say this in my life, but I do kind of have a soft spot in my heart for UVA. Um, <laughs> I know they're dealing with some pretty, well, initially some just pretty frustrating injuries and now a bizarre one with Justin Anderson. But um, uh, I think well, what they've already managed to do this season is pretty remarkable, and um, I think Tony Bennett is an is a, is an interesting coach. I think he's smarter than maybe even he even really gets credit for. But uh, I think in that sense, UVA, I would like to see them uh, make a run this season. And then yeah, of course, the other question is is does anybody or can even anybody beat uh, Kentucky? Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to make up for, you know, my own personal East Coast bias, but uh, it's it's so hard for me because I fall asleep at 10 o'clock most nights. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, like a team like Arizona. It, I mean,
0: they're one of those teams that always gets a high seed, and yeah. then, you know, they make it a little ways. I mean, have have they ever won a championship? I can't, I can't remember that. But I can
1: always remember them being like a number one seed. You know, I, I, I'm honestly I'm at a loss. I don't, I don't, I don't think they have. but I don't think they have. I'll eat my words if I'm wrong. <laughs> I can remember, I can remember a, a recent trip to the Final Four for them. Yeah, I don't know. And then you always have, it's you know, it's like you know, you always have Gonzaga who always has thirty wins or something like that going into the tournament, and you're like, well, they've won thirty games, but you know. So I, you know, I'm constantly in my head. I'm debating whether there's actually a team out there that can beat Kentucky. Personally, right now, my sort of the my the my superstitious nature is saying that if somehow Kentucky manages to win the SEC tournament going into the the tournament, then they're going to lose. They're going to be upset in the tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, If for some reason they're upset in the SEC tournament, they're going to go all the way. Then I don't think anybody's going to stop them after that. But that's just you know, basically you know made up bullshit in my mind.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think we'll we'll see when we get there. I'm I'm trying to remember the last team, if any, have ever gone 40 and 0. Um, I'm sure there has been one, but it, it seems like if a team's going to do it. In this generation, it might be this Kentucky team. Although um, Duke looked good, and I I hate to say that because I've detested them my entire life, but but it seems like they seem like a team that could pull something off.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's every year, you know. I think uh, pretty much everybody outside of you know Duke fans is rooting against Duke. (laughs) And we'll try to find any reason to doubt them, but it's hard to doubt Coach K in March. You know, yeah, he's got a proven track record. And uh, if they get if they get if they get put up against some, you know, if you know maybe they run into a team like Davidson (laughs) in that tournament, then I would probably I'd be willing to go to Las Vegas and throw some money down on Davidson. But if Duke has a path that goes through a bunch of high-level, you know, power conference teams, then I would be. I would be convinced that they could make a deep run as well. Yeah,
0: book their ticket to the Final Four for sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for coming on The Big Game. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Good talking to you. And uh, good luck to to VCU.
1: Thanks. (laughs) Later.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Big Game. Major League Soccer has avoided a lockout and a player strike, so the season begins in earnest this weekend. Uh, and hopefully we'll bring coverage of the big debuts from New York City FC and Orlando SC here on The Big Game next week. So if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts from, and leave a review if you like what you hear or drop me a line at Jethro Target on Twitter. Stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game.